Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. A much, a much more chipper edition of The Rebuild. I was pretty down on the last podcast on Sunday night. Understandably so. I'm sure you guys were as Browns fans as well. But a lot, having a chance to sit back, having a chance to relax. I'm so thankful for the Browns season. As the Browns were fighting in the playoffs, I'm seeing head coaches get hired. I'm seeing the Steelers bringing in Dwayne Haskins for workouts. And guess what? The Browns have a coach and a quarterback. So still want to talk off season today and all of that as well. So brought in a frequent guest of the show, Spencer Mahone from 92.3 The Fan to talk about the Browns biggest off season questions. So Spencer, how are you doing today? I'm feeling a little bit better after, you know, a massive heartbreaking loss on Sunday night. And I mean, whether you look at the targeting call that wasn't called or, you know, the, the Browns repeatedly shooting themselves in the foot in the first half. They they played really well. Like there's a lot of good that happened this year. So I'm honestly very excited for where this group is going. It's one of those things where in the moment I was certainly haunted. You know, you have Chad Henney in third and 14, and you're only down by five to the defending Super Bowl champions, and and there's a chance there and to not, you know, to not get it. Yeah, obviously was disappointing, but having a few days to process it, to sit back, I, I feel just so good about this team going forward. And one of the reasons I feel so good before we get to the biggest offseason question, Spencer, I want to just touch on this first because this happened shortly before we started recording. Kevin Stefanski. I've long praised him uh, on this podcast. I know you're a fan as well. And today, the Pro Football Writers of America named him the Coach of the Year. So the Browns and him get that honor, of course, 11-5 and five season, a playoff win, all that. Spencer, just before we get into the kind of the, the question marks about this team, what, what are your thoughts on Kevin Stefanski winning Coach of the Year? Oh, I mean, that's huge. And you mentioned Pro Football Writers – named him the sporting news also did name him i have an article up here from cbs sports so that's an indication now this is from josh edwards who wrote this article this is an indication that the associated press which is kind of the end-all be-all in this case mm-hmm, they yeah. follow now it, it would seem if he won the first two yes the ap is the official award i am going to assume he's going to win that though it's not official yet yeah now fun fact here who was the last coach and when did he win coach of the year for a Cleveland Browns football team? I, I know the answer only because you shared it with me before the podcast, but listeners, if you're out there, take a moment, think if you can name a Browns coach that's been named coach of the year and then Spencer, give them the answer in three, two, one. It was 1986 and that coach, Marty Schottenheimer. Wow. Let that sink in. 1986. Spencer, I've got five years. I've got another stat for you that I, I saw today and almost couldn't believe. How many head coaches do you think have been with their team for more than four years in the NFL? There are 32 teams, mind you. 
Ooh, that's that's a good question, man. I I'm not one to keep track, but I know it's more than I can think. Just just take a wild guess. Take a wild guess. If I had to guess, it'd be in the ballpark of ten to fifteen. It's seven. It's seven coaches. For all the people talk about players, draft picks, et cetera, et cetera, coaches really bust at, at a higher rate than all of them. It is extremely, extremely difficult to find a coach that you want. Now, there's some noise in that number of seven, right? Andy Reid, you know, being with the Chiefs only for a short period of time, stuff like that doesn't it always factor in. But most teams are unhappy with their coach or lukewarm on their coach. Even we saw the, the Eagles win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. All of a sudden, they're down on their coach. He's fired. He's out the door. They've got somebody new in. And so to me, the biggest thing about this offseason and why I'm so optimistic is we have a coach, we have a quarterback. And does anybody not think Kevin Stavansky is going to be here in four years? Because I do. And I, I haven't gone into any offseason since the Browns have returned to Cleveland thinking that. So it just, it, it, it brought a smile to my face when I saw that statistic. I thought, well, I have a lot of faith in Kevin Stefanski to do that. So the Browns are in a good position. The Browns are in a good position. Now, the question is, can they get an even better position, Spencer? And that's where I want to transition. I want to talk about the Browns' biggest off-season questions. They're a team that obviously took a major step forward this year, second round of the playoffs, all of that. But now the question is, can they get back to the playoffs? Can they go further in the playoffs? And how do they do that from a, a roster standpoint with the draft, with free agency, with everything going on? So I asked you to write down a few questions. I have a list of five myself that, that I think are the biggest questions for the Browns this offseason. Spencer, in your mind, what is the biggest question for the Browns this offseason? I think the biggest question, now a lot of people have been calling in and asking about Joe Woods and, oh, what what is, you know, Jonathan Peterlin or Adam the Bull, what do you guys think of Joe Woods? Should he keep his job? He absolutely should keep his job. The man was not given a fair shake at all on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he was missing, I, I think, two of his bigger pieces in the secondary. Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit it, are the two. I think if they if Joe Woods had those guys this year, we're looking at a team that might actually have made it past Kansas City without really much of a problem because the thing with Kansas City is they kind of slept they sleptwalked through that game and and I mean credit where credit is due Chad Henney and Tyree Kill made two big plays back to back and you know that like that's that Andy Reid's a hell of a coach and I just think personally that having Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit would have been huge for Joe Woods this season. I I agree with you. So interesting. Uh, I agree on Joe Woods. I'll say that. I I'm kind of neutral on him because I agree with you that it look it's just it's hard to separate talent and scheme, right? There was no talent to work with uh, in the in the back seven really. Denzel Ward, you know, coming back, but being in and out of the lineup, even, you know, injuries all across the board, COVID absences. 
I, to push back, I'll say I did have some scheme questions from Joe Woods, too. Uh, I, I don't think he was blameless in that Kansas City game. I know the corners might be slightly limited, but the fact that they just sat back in these deep zones and kind of let Kansas City dice them up, I thought the defense more so than the play at the end of the first half was the reason this team lost the game. That was my ultimate takeaway from the game. Spencer, if you didn't hear the podcast on Sunday is, look, when, when Patrick Mahomes was in the game, they didn't really stop the Chiefs at all. They walked right down the field, every possession. And they had Chad Henney in the third and 14 and couldn't get off the field when the game was on the line. They couldn't get the ball back to their offense, who I think would have scored. So Joe Woods, I don't think is blameless. So if they fired him tomorrow, I wouldn't scream from the rooftops that, what are you doing? However, I agree with you. The talent wasn't there. And that's actually my number five question on my list. It's at the bottom. But Spencer, I want to kick it to you because I think you brought up an interesting point. Greedy Williams, Grant Delpit. Two players you've spent high draft picks on the last several years, but two guys who didn't play at all this season in an area where the Browns struggled. The secondary, I saw some statistics that said they were probably even worse than, than they rated out because they played an easier schedule of passing quarterbacks. Can you count on those two guys next season? What do you do if you're the Browns in the secondary? Do you just bank, hey, Greedy Williams is going to come back opposite Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit's going to come back at safety and we're going to be fine there? Or do you start thinking about using even more draft capital there if you're the Browns or a free agency signing there to, to bring in some depth alongside those guys? I, I would do free agency signings there. I You might be able to get away with a mid-round draft pick, but I think there's going to be plenty of guys that can at least be depth pieces to having, you know, a Greedy Williams and a Grant Delpit because I've watched a lot of film on Grant Delpit and I was really high on that pick when he came out and when the Browns drafted him, I wanted to see, at least when I was watching the film, what he did in LSU scheme. And I think he played really well. And I think, that the dude's an immense talent and it's going to translate really well to the NFL game. Now, obviously the dude ruptured his Achilles in the first day of practice. So you didn't get to see all of his skill on display. And, and that's what kind of broke my heart a little bit. And I mean, same for greedy. The dude had a nerve injury and that he just kind of struggled throughout the season to come back from. And I would have loved to see greedy and Denzel, play opposite each other I think they both would have played off each other really well and I would have loved to see what Delpit did at the safety position I if it's me I'm using a draft pick at corner and or, or maybe a, a a a reasonable amount of money to to bring somebody in that can compete for a starting position there and that's because even if Greedy Williams is healthy you can never have too many corners in this day and age with how often this team is in nickel at this point. I wasn't a big fan of Kevin Johnson. I no, that's a good I don't know how many years Terrence Mitchell has left. I, I think you gotta, you gotta bring in something there. I think Spencer, I don't know. That's just, that, that that's me. I, I'm bringing in something there. No, I mean, that, that's a really good point. You definitely have to bring in some people on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's where a lot of our questions 
for this offseason are going to lie on the defensive side of the football. Because, I mean, the offensive line rated out to be one of the best in the NFL. And, I mean, you have plenty of receivers that can play. Hopefully you're going to get Odell back on the offensive side of the football. And, you know, the offense I think will be fine. But I think, like I mentioned, a lot of our questions are defensive-based. Yeah, I just – I, 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 I'd hang in there with Grant Delpit. but we didn't even get to see him on the field. I don't think safety is a position where you need to invest a ton. Anyway, the Browns have depth there, even though it's not great. I'm, I'm hanging in there, but at corner again, it, you can never have too many. If you have three great, and it's not like Denzel Ward or Grady Williams has stayed all that healthy. So there's a real chance you're down to two really quickly. So that. That's a, a, a place I would look to address, though, probably not the first place I would look to address on, on, on defense. I agree that it may be a mid-round pick, maybe a mid-level free agency signing. Not, not crazy dollars in allocation there, but Spencer, my biggest question of the offseason is actually not on the defensive side of the football, though many of them are. And I want to transition there just real quick because we heard – uh, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry touch on it a little bit in their exit interviews, as you said. I think the biggest question is Baker Mayfield's contract. What do they do there? Do they pick up the fifth-year option, or or do they extend him? And, and at what dollar amount do they extend him? Because for me, I think the debate's over. After how he played, I thought he played a phenomenal game on Sunday. I thought he played a great game against the Steelers two weeks ago. Really, I thought he was elite the last 10 weeks of the season. And as someone who's had his doubts about Baker Mayfield, I think you've seen in the right system, he's a he's a elite playoff-level quarterback. He's your franchise quarterback. I would extend him. Typically, quarterbacks do not go into that fifth-year you know, with that fifth year option without an extension, uh, unless you're like a Jameis Winston, a Marcus Mariota, everybody else is, is usually getting extended. So Spencer, do you think it makes sense to extend Baker Mayfield this early? At what price does it make sense? What are you doing if you're the Browns and Baker Mayfield? And do you even agree with me that this is a big deal at all? No, I think you absolutely extend him. Like you, you made a great point. The dude was absolutely elite. And you saw after they did that self-scouting during the bye that they kind of let, you know, the training wheels off and let Baker ride. And Baker was phenomenal. I mean, Kevin Stefanski also touched on the fact that once that Baker was comfortable with the schemes that he was running in uh, Stefanski's offense. And once Stefanski was comfortable calling schemes that Baker was comfortable with, which was a big piece of, of that puzzle. It's, it's when you have that coaching quarterback relationship, it's a two way street there. And I think they navigated that street phenomenally well. And especially in the second half, because like I said, once the training wheels came off, Baker went absolutely ballistic and he played to a Patrick Mahomes caliber. And you absolutely extend him after watching what he did the last 10 weeks of the season. To play devil's advocate here, Baker Mayfield comes to you in the offseason and says, extension talks start at $35 million a year. That's Russell Wilson territory, essentially. Mahomes is at 45. Throw him out. I don't think Baker's going to ask for that. But 
Big Ben's at 34, Aaron Rodgers is at 34, Wilson's at 35. Typically, these guys, you know, Goff's at 33 and a half. Typically, these guys, you know, it, it only goes up, right? It, it, you saw Dak Prescott asking for close to $40 million a year. If Baker says the bidding starts at 35 or even higher, do you still feel the same way? I I would say yes. It, and that it's hard because you put the Browns in a really tough position cap-wise. I, I think that's – the reason I asked though is I think that's what he's going to ask for. And I don't think he's wrong to ask for it. I no, mean, he's not wrong. If Dak Prescott's getting that money, if Kirk Cousins is getting that money – I think Baker's coming at that, at that price. So that's really the question with the extension. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's 30 million, it's a no brainer, but what if it's 35 or are, are, are you still on board? I'm still on board that, that just means with who you got at this moment in time, you got to go all in. You got, it, it becomes instead of a, you know, win in two or three years, it becomes a super bowl or bust type of year like you make it deep in the playoffs you make it to the afc championship to the super bowl hell you might even win one you like that's the type of situation you get into instead of you know having this like five-year window which a lot of us on 92.3 the fan are talking about that we have this window if baker signs for 35 mil that window shrinks from about five years to about two years so you have to get it done in those two years or, you know, guys are going to leave and you can't pay them, i.e. a Jarvis Landry, or, you know, you can't pay some of the big guys on the defensive side of the football. That's going to hurt. And then it, it, and if that happens on the defensive side of the ball, you just have to run a track meet as an offense. And I don't know if the Browns are ready to do that 16 weeks out of the year. Fundamentally, I would do it at 35. I just think most teams run into cap issues for play, paying players that don't deserve it. And I think that contract for Baker Mayfield, he's going to deserve it, and he potentially could outperform it still. No, you're, I, I think you're right, though. He's, he deserves it. I mean, his play in the last 10 weeks was near perfect. To me, it's it's when Carson Wentz, it's when Jared Goff, et cetera, when Kirk Cousins, they get that money and, and, and they don't live up to it, right? Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are still in the playoffs every year. Patrick Mahomes, the extension money hasn't kicked in. I have a feeling they're going to be in the playoffs every year anyway, even when he's extended. Of course, it hurts your ability to build around them, but that's the game. It's a salary cap league and, and the quarterback's the most important position. I think if I'm the Browns, it, it, even at 35, I'm signing in this offseason. I'm locking him in. I think it's only going to go up. I think it's only going up as soon as Dak Prescott signs. Boom, it's going to go up again. You know, it feels like these quarterback contracts just build on top of each other. So to me, that's the biggest thing for this team it is, is number one is what do you do with Baker's contract and what is that ultimate dollar amount coming at? Now, to transition back to the defensive side of the football, Spencer, my biggest defensive question, which is my number two question, actually, is what do you do outside of Miles Garrett on this defensive line? And I know Browns fans are going to be like, whoa, whoa, the defensive line is the only good part of this defense, right? The linebackers are bad. The secondary had its issues, the defensive line. But 
Larry Ogunjobi basically sounds like he, he, he said he was ready for a new chapter. It sounds like he's headed out of Cleveland in free agency. Olivier Vernon's ruptured his Achilles. And my personal belief is that the best defenses start with a defensive line. Because if you can get to the quarterback and you look at the best teams we're going to play, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you're going to have to get pressure on the quarterback with four. I think the Browns need, need to start by upgrading opposite Miles Garrett. What do you think about that as a priority? And how do you think the Browns are going to go about addressing it? I, I agree with that. And if if it's true that Ogan Joby's on his way out of Cleveland, you got to find someone that can fill that spot relatively well. Now, I don't know if that would be through the draft or free agency. And, and that is going to be one of my questions. If Ogan Joby leaves, what are you going to do with his position? Are you going to go into draft or are you going to look in free agency for, you know, someone that has, you know, a reasonable price to play his position to that same caliber or even above that caliber. And I think that's going to be pretty tough to find. So I, me personally, if Ogan Joby leaves, I would look into the draft for a top defensive lineman. And if he doesn't leave, that top defensive lineman then becomes an additional depth piece, which would be huge for the defensive line as well. So if one of those guys are to go down, you know, he can step in and he can play that spot relatively well. That the story that Ogunjobi, I think the words he used was he's ready for a new chapter, which indicates he's leaving Cleveland. It's certainly not official by any means, but it, it, that makes me a little sad. I've been an Ogunjobi defender. Uh, the numbers haven't always bared out that he's been this this elite defensive tackle by any means, but I always thought he he did his job very well with the Browns. So I, I'll be sad if he goes, but I I almost like as defensive tackle. I agree. Uh, I. Second day draft picks fine for me there. Uh, I just, um, I don't think it's as valuable as I would love to get another pass rusher opposite Miles Garrett. That's, I, I know a lot of people are projecting them to take somebody in the secondary or at linebacker in the first round. And, and maybe based on the players that that makes sense. But if it's not round one, I'd love round two or three, the Browns to get somebody who can rush the passer effectively opposite Miles Garrett. Cause could you imagine if, if they had somebody to demand some attention outside of Miles Garrett, it would be lethal. I think that's how this defense really becomes elite is put somebody opposite him and just terrorize offensive lines for the next 10 years. No, that's a really good point. And I mean, Garrett's entering the physical prime of his career. If not, he's already in it and getting someone opposite him would be huge. Now, depending on best available in the draft, if, if it's someone who can play opposite Miles Garrett, go for him. But if, if, you know, if it's a Mike or an outside linebacker to fill Olivier Vernon's spot or someone in the secondary, I would say you go there. And that's that, I guess that's the hidden beauty of this Henry is that we're talking about how to make this, an elite defense like we weren't talking about this you know last year two years ago we're talking about how do we make this offense good and and now we're we're talking about you know essentially finishing a team to make a super bowl run and and the good thing is you can also turn defenses over 
just insanely fast. So you might be able to get away with finding someone in free agency too. So there's a lot of avenues for the Browns to go. That's the hidden beauty of all this. I, I agree. And an offense ultimately comes down to your quarterback and the Browns have that solved. They have pretty much every other position on the offensive side of the football solved. And on defense, you know, one corner, one D end, you know, really change their scheme can, can make a, a, a big improvement. However, Spencer, I do have one more question on the offensive side of the football before I have a couple more on defense, but I have one more on offense. I think there's one central question besides the Baker Mayfield contract on this offense. And this you touched is the on other it. question everybody's asking. I yeah. already know what's coming. Yeah, you touched on it at the top. What do the Browns do with Odell Beckham? Is he's coming off a, a torn ACL? He's got one year left on his deal, I believe. So there's there's no dead cap really to it anymore. So they could trade him pretty easily. But, you know, he's also could be looking for the contract extension. He might not want to go into that last year as a lame duck. So there, there's a lot of, of factors at play here. Where do you sit on the OBJ debate that is pretty much raging throughout the Browns fan base right now? I think you keep them. And the reason I think you keep them is the reason for, you know, how the offense, you know, may or may not have performed up to an elite level. I think you missed Odell Beckham during that Kansas city game to take some attention away from guys like Jarvis Landry, even though Landry got his in that Kansas city game, but other guys like Donovan peoples, Jones, uh, Kadero Hodge, Rashard Higgins, attention would have been drawn away from them because Odell's such a presence. The dude has probably the strongest pair of hands I've ever seen on a receiver. And the fact that Odell's a Tyree Kill-esque player when it comes to speed. So you could actually have someone over the top. And, you know, Landry's more of a possession receiver so I think those two, if you keep Odell, play off each other really well, and you could have schemed for the Kansas City defense a lot better if you had someone like Odell in the game. Spencer, this will be fun because I am on the opposite side of this debate from you, and I didn't get there easily. So I want to preface this by saying, number one, I think – the idea that the Browns are just in, and Baker are just insanely better when Odell Beckham doesn't play because of, of how good Baker's, you know, TD to interception ratio was after he, he, you know, he was injured. I think all that is nonsense. I think that you know, Baker Mayfield started playing a much better after the bye week and, and that didn't have a correlation with Odell Beckham. He just happened to be out there, you know, out as well. I think it was more Baker getting comfortable in the system. I also think, Odell Beckham is an elite receiver still. I also believe that. I have no doubts that he's going to come back from a torn ACL and be great. I think the fundamental problem, though, and why I think the Browns should get rid of him is this is about value. In a salary cap league, everything is about value. And I think Odell Beckham is not maximized in the Browns system. I don't think Baker is a big deep ball thrower. I don't think that's the strong suit of his game. I think he's better working in the middle of the fields with Jarvis Landry with the tight ends. I think that's why he has better chemistry with Landry. 
And although Odell is a great weapon, I would love to have Odell on the team. He's going to cost a lot of money. And I don't think the Browns need to devote that level of resources to his position. If all he's going to be is an over-the-top threat, which I think he gets a little bit minimized into that in the Browns offense, I think you can get that elsewhere. I like what I saw from Rashard Higgins this year. I like what I saw from Donovan Peoples-Jones this year. If the offer's right, I, I'm, I'm moving off of OBJ. And I don't say that lightly. I, I think a lot of people are, are really heavily against him on Brown's Twitter. I've seen some of that. I, I don't agree with them. I just think the value isn't there for this team. I don't see it. So I think you got to move off him ultimately. And that's a fair point. I mean, this is a really hard question to, you know, have a concrete answer for because, you know, you have Odell. I mean, the man's an elite receiver, like you said, and he's a really damn good football player. And you like you have flashes of of what he's done in the first four weeks, you know, when he can get the ball thrown to him. And you've also seen, you know, Baker makes some mistakes trying to force the ball to him because, you know, he wants to feed all of his receivers, not just Austin Hooper or Kaderil Hodge or Jarvis Landry or, you know, whoever might be out on the field in the package at the time. Um, he, he also wants to make sure that Odell's a part of this offense. And, and I feel like Baker, he can handle that. But there are times he just made mistakes into trying to force the ball into coverage. And, and, and that will probably come down to, you know, him being a little bit more uncomfortable with the scheme in the early part of the season, as, as is, you know, the problems with most quarterbacks when they hit a new scheme. Tom Brady, who's in his 40s, you know, he had his struggles with, you know, the Tampa Bay offensive scheme. And then the second half of the season, Tampa Bay really hit it. And, and look at where they went. They're in the NFC championship game now playing green Bay. I just, I, I, I ultimately, for me, it comes down to, I think the Browns are already a little over invested in the skill positions. Jarvis Landry. I, I, I think the Browns should keep Jarvis Landry, but he's already on a, a pretty big deal. They've got already money invested in Austin Hooper. They're going to have to pay Nick Chubb even more. They're going to have to pay Kareem Hunt potentially. I just don't see the value in in paying Odell. I just don't. And I sure many people out there listening are going to disagree. Tweet me at Henry underscore Ettinger. I'm all here for it, but I just don't see it. I think you got to move off him. And I know some people were saying he was missed in that Kansas City game. Frankly, I didn't see that the way other people did. I thought if Nick Chubb catches some screen passes, the Browns really never get stopped in that whole game by the Chiefs defense. I don't think they really did anything to stop the Browns in that game. So I think they would have been fine. But that's just that that to me is the one real question mark on this offense is what do you do with Odell? Because Baker Mayfield is going to be the quarterback of this team either way, whether he gets a contract or not next season. Whether Odell's on the team or not, I think is much more up in the air. But yeah, definitely. I mean, that that was one of my questions as well. So it's it's just tough, man. It's a tough question to answer. I yeah, I I, I don't know. 
I don't know. It's not easy, but uh, that would be, I would move off. I think it's one of the biggest decisions the Browns have this off season. And, and Spencer, I have one final question I want to ask before we wrap this up. The linebackers. We danced around it. They, they, to me, actually were the worst unit on the Browns this season. Jacob Phillips, the, the third round draft pick, I thought was pretty promising, but Mac Wilson, I think his, his Browns career could be over. BJ Goodson had just, I thought, a, a really bad play against the Chiefs that ultimately led to them picking up that first first down before the, the Chad Henney scramble in the fourth down. How he didn't get out to Williams in the flat, I just, I don't know. And it felt like that all season. Taki Taki couldn't make a tackle on the first drive of that game, and, and the Chiefs scored. I don't, the reason it's, it's come up this late for me is I don't believe in investing a ton of money there. I think the Browns did the right thing by letting Joe Schobert go. But that being said, you also can't have the worst linebacking core in the league. And to me, that's, that is a place, whether they address it on day two or three of the draft, whether it's in free agency, they've got to address linebacker, right? Oh, you absolutely have to address linebackers. I think, you know, Taki Taki made some good plays this year. BJ Goodson made some good plays this year. Mac Wilson needs to learn how to use his hands and arms to tackle somebody. That Now, Mac Wilson, I think, is, is someone, you know, you tap on the shoulder and say, hey, thanks for your contributions, but yeah, we're looking elsewhere. I, I think I think that's one of those situations. And the same might happen to BJ Goodson as well. And and then maybe you look for free agency linebackers or you address that in the draft. I think I think you can address that in the draft and get away with it, but you're not gonna be able to get away with it for too long, which is why you might have to use both. To, to you know build that linebacking core back up and and end up getting away with a younger linebacking core to start you know 2021 and and see where it goes i've seen a bunch of mock drafts that actually have the browns taking a linebacker in the first round i wouldn't be surprised it wouldn't be my favorite pick but also middle linebacker if you address that in the first round i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be up in arms either it just, it was too bad this year. They were one of the worst teams in the league. I think they were ranked the dead last in terms of covering running back passes. They struggled to tackle. They could not cover. I, you just, there's nothing left to be said. I love Mac Wilson's personality. I love how bought in he's been to this team, how bought in he's been to Cleveland, but he's not getting the job done on the field. And ultimately this is a performance game and it's unfortunate, but I just don't see how you go come in with this group next year and expect anything to change from a performance standpoint. So I ultimately think that they, they, they've got to address it in multiple ways. There's got to be a free agent. There's got to be draft picks, multiple draft picks. Maybe I, I think linebacker is one of those things where you can get value on day three and four or day two and three, excuse me, rounds three and four was what I was thinking. <laughs> but I, and the Browns, I think might've done that with Jacob Phillips, but but not with some of these other guys. And so 
it's got to be addressed. The reason it was so low on my question list is I almost don't even think it's a question, right? Like it's just, it has to be done. <laughs> so it, there's not a whole lot of intrigue to it, but. Yeah, and and here's here's where I stand on on getting a middle linebacker. I think you absolutely need to get someone who's better in coverage than BJ Goodson. BJ Goodson, he's a pretty solid tackler and a pretty solid run defender. His coverage game is absolutely abysmal. It is, it is almost asinine if you don't pick up, you know, a coverage mic in this case. I, yeah, I, I just think co- covering is more important to me than just with the way the NFL is going. And again, looking at the teams the Browns have to play, I, I think that's one of the things too. You got to kind of as the Browns approach this, and this is more of a philosophical thing, but. They need to start building their team to play the guys they're going to play in the playoffs. And if you look at the teams they're going to play, Kansas City, obviously you have to be able to cover. The Bills, obviously you have to be able to cover people at all levels of the defense and get pressure on the quarterback. Going back to my point about the defensive line, Lamar Jackson in the Ravens. Okay, you think more of a running team. Yes, but where do they throw the football? To to Mark Andrews in the middle of the field, and you've got to have – quick linebackers to keep up with Lamar Jackson, similar skill sets to the guys you have for coverage as well. So I think most of the teams here that they're trying to beat, you got to start tailoring your defense to that. And and that's, uh, we've talked about basically all three levels of the defense at this point. I think it's pretty clear that the Browns focus this off season is probably going to be heavily on the defensive side of the football from an an overarching standpoint. I think you got to be building your defense at every level thinking about, hey, who are we going to see year after year at this point if we get back in these pivotal games? I, I understand the Browns haven't had to think that way, and that's okay. But now, those questions, they, they need to start asking. Yeah, and if you don't ask those questions and get answers to those questions, I think, you know, the, this is a team that, you know, would be asking a lot more, oh, what if? And and the thing is, if and when you're going to have to dismantle the core and start, you know, rebuilding after, you know, people leave or retire and, you know, things happen like they always do in the NFL, you don't want to be asking what if. You want to say, remember when and not what if. I, I, I think that's a great way to wrap up the show spencer great final point there so that's all i have spencer for this one thank you so much for coming on as usual hey you got it man that was fun absolutely absolutely and as i mentioned on the last podcast browns fans we're going to be bringing you off-season content the whole time every every week the rest of the year pretty much i i have plans for off-season content probably too many pods planned but there's so many different fun topics to cover this team that we can't cover during the season with game previews and recaps and all of that. And I love the draft. I love free agency. I'm sure many of you out there do too. So I can't wait to get into all of that with all of you guys. I probably, my, I I keep notes in my, like Apple notes and I just have been writing down off season pod ideas for, for the last couple months. And so now get to uh, get to bring those to fruition. So I hope you continue to join us here on the rebuild as the Browns 
look to build toward 2021 in returning back to the playoffs. Until next time, Browns fans, this has been Henry Ettinger on The Rebuild. I just have two words for you. Go Browns!